Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Our Father, our God, we bless your name this morning, Lord. For we know you have truly been better to us than what we deserve. When we look back over our lives, Father God, and just take inventory of all that you have done, Father God, and all that you continue to do, what can I say to you, Father God? What can I do for you, Lord, that uh, expresses my gratitude, that expresses our gratitude for uh, all that you do, Father God? Now, Lord, we know that the songs have been sang at this time. Uh, the offering has been taken. The, the scripture has been recited. And we pray, Father God, that your word will go forth, Father God, upon the ground that you have cultivated, Lord. May it be fertile ground, Father God, taken up, Lord, bearing fruit for your glory. Now, Lord, I pray that you will open the eyes of those who are here so that they may see, that they may open the ears of those who are here so that they may hear, Father God, and open their hearts that they may receive your message, Father God. Again, we thank you. We praise you. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, praise God for you this morning. We're going to be coming out of uh, the Gospel of John this morning. If you'll stand to your feet for the reading of God's holy word. We'll be looking at John chapter 1, starting at verses or verse 29 through 42. That's John the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29 through 42. When you have it, say amen. amen. God's word reads, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to uh, title 
the message today, uh, Seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord. And I want to start out uh, the message asking each and every one of you, what are you seeking today? What really motivates you? What drives you each and every day? What really gets you going? What excites you each and every day? Uh, for some, we may be seeking money. Uh, we may be seeking fame or popularity. Uh, it may be clothes. It may be cars. It may be material things. So there are a number of things that we see people today are seeking to experience some type of fulfillment, to fill some voids in their life. Some of us may be seeking more nobler things such as real love, amen? Looking for that true love, not artificial love, that unconditional love, love that will last forever. Uh, some may be seeking peace. There's trials and tribulations that uh, you're experiencing that are just weighing you down. They are a heavy burden on your back. Uh, just going through trial after trial. Come out of one trial. Go into another trial. And so you may be seeking peace from all that is going on in your life. For others, you may be seeking joy. Just seeking that, that true joy. Joy that comes regardless of what circumstances are going on in your life. Whether it's up or down. Some may be seeking um, forgiveness for some sins in their life, amen? Some things that maybe they have done and trying to uh, lift that burden of sin off of them. Regardless of who you are or where you come from, everyone is seeking something. You're seeking something. We indicate what we're seeking by what really drives us, what really pulls us day in and day out when we wake up, what really gets you going. And so every one of us is seeking something. It may not be the right thing, but we are seeking something. I'm not sure what it is you're seeking and where you've been looking, but the Apostle John in his gospel particularly in this first chapter, lays out the fact that we need to be seeking Jesus Christ above all. John lets us know that unless you are seeking Jesus, your life will be, it will not be fulfilled. You will always have that void. You will jump from place to place, person to person, seeking something, trying to get fulfilled, and it will not come. It's just like buying, making that new purchase. If you're like me, I've, I've purchased some things and there's that excitement with it. And then not long after just learning how to use it, something else comes out and you're like, man, I'd like to have that too. There's, there's that lack of contentment when we're seeking the wrong thing. And so John lays out in the gospel here, we're going to focus on specific passage, the passage that was read, but I want to go back to the beginning of the chapter because John not only lets us know who we should be seeking, but he says these are the credentials of him who you should be seeking. This is why you need to be seeking Jesus Christ. 
he starts out in the first verse of the first chapter, similar to how Genesis starts out. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So he's talking about Jesus Christ, who is the word. So he lets us know that, first of all, Jesus Christ is eternal. Jesus Christ existed with God, the Father, before he was born through Mary. It didn't just start with Jesus when Mary gave birth. Amen? So he's saying, first of all, you need to know that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is also God himself. He's God the Son. If that wasn't enough, John goes on, and he, he, he goes on in the, the third verse, and he says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John also establishes that not only is Jesus Christ eternal, God the Son, but he's also the creator of all things. Nothing has been made that was not made by and so he is eternal, he's God, he's creator. He also lets us know in the fourth and fifth verse, he goes on talking about Jesus Christ and him being the life, him being the one who gives us life, being, he's the one who gives us salvation. Sometimes we're looking for life, looking for joy in a lot of things outside of Jesus Christ, everywhere but Jesus Christ. And John is saying in that fourth and fifth verse, he says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood. And so we see Jesus Christ eternal. Jesus Christ is God, creator. He's the one who gives life. He is life. He also speaks about how Jesus Christ reconciles us to God the Father. Without that reconciliation, without that bridge of Jesus Christ, between us and the Father, there is no redemption. There is no reconciliation. But because of Jesus Christ, we can be called and known as children of God. He goes on further. So if, you don't, if, if that's not enough, wait, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the real thing. And a lot of us are searching just for something. We, some people just hate things that are fake, right? You hate fake people. You hate fake things. And Right? There's that saying, keep it real. Keep it real with me, right? It says, Jesus, it don't get no more real than Jesus Christ. And so John lays out all these credentials of who Jesus Christ is as if to let us know this is the one you need to be seeking. This is the direction you need to go. If you're seeking love, he's got it. If you're seeking peace, he's got it. If you're seeking joy, fulfillment, whatever it is, Jesus Christ has it. So John has all of these road signs in his chapter saying this is the direction you need to go. Jesus should be our aim and our direction. The apostle John also speaks about another John. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was one who served as a witness for Christ to let everyone know that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was coming to wake up the world and say, the king is here. Emmanuel has arrived. Take heart. Repent and be saved. That was John's message. 
knowing all of this, knowing that we should be seeking Jesus Christ, many of us come to church each and every day. We know we need to be seeking Christ, right? It's some of it's just, to many of us, not, it's not a new message. The question is, are we seeking Jesus Christ? And what indications are there that we are actually seeking Christ? There are indications that we can see to know whether or not we are actually seeking Jesus Christ. And I say that because many times we can become deceived our own selves into thinking that we're seeking Jesus when we're not seeking Jesus. Jeremiah said in 17, the heart is deceitful above all things. Amen. So I can be deceived myself, especially for those of us who come to church Sunday after Sunday. And we may confuse coming to church on Sunday with actually seeking Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to know, am I seeking Jesus Christ? Is he what, is Jesus Christ the one who drives me? The one who excites me? Is he the one who I expect to receive fulfillment from in this life? Or am I seeking that in other things? For that reason, I want to talk to you today about what it looks like to seek Jesus Christ so that we may know what it looks like to seek Jesus Christ, what indications there are that we are actually seeking Jesus Christ. And I think if we look at this passage, this passage in John chapter 1, verse 20, 29 through 42, helps us to understand if we are seeking Jesus Christ. As we look at the background, what took place here um, to help us to know what it looks like to seek Jesus, the Apostle John records an event that takes place with Jesus and two of John the Baptist's disciples. So let's not get the Apostle John and John the Baptist mixed up, two different people. And so J Apostle John is recording this event between Jesus and John the Baptist and these two disciples. And these two disciples, their actions indicate who and what they are seeking. They're hungering for someone. They're seeking for something. And so when we look at their actions, we get an indication of what it means to seek Jesus Christ. Our actions indicate what it is we're seeking, whether we're seeking after created things or whether we're seeking after the creator, whether we want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or whether we're just flirting with Jesus. There's a difference. You know how it is when you flirt, right? There's no commitment. You just, you know, hey, I like you, you like me, but ain't no, you know, ain't no, you know, just keep it there. We're okay. You know, as long as we just kind of flirt a little bit. Do we want a flirting relationship with Jesus or do we want an actual personal relationship with Jesus Christ so on this occasion John the Baptist is with his disciples and Jesus passes by this is the second time Jesus passes by John and and as always John the Baptist being the true evangelist that he is he points everyone to Jesus Christ he says look there's the Lamb of God there's the Son of God that's the one I've been telling you about that's, that's the one. And it's important for us to see that, right? John the Baptist was, I mean, he was a mighty man. I mean, he was preaching. I mean, he had a lot of people following after him, but he was like, no, not me, not me. It's him. It's Jesus. That's the one you need to be following. Jesus Christ 
the, passes by and John, the cousin of Jesus. And, you know, the, the ironic thing about it is although Jesus and John were cousins, they were relatives, John never played on that. You never see in the Gospels John saying, that's my cousin. Right? Now, if, if it was me, right, Jesus being who he is, right, I'm, I'm probably going to be name dropping all over the place. Now, you know, that's my, that's my cousin. We be trying to get the hookup. But John wasn't, wasn't like that. He knew that to refer to Jesus Christ by any other name than, than the Lamb of God or the Son of God was not fitting for him. So he didn't even refer to Jesus Christ as his cousin. You don't, you don't even see it. You don't see John the Baptist going there. And so he continuously speaks about Jesus Christ coming. And up to this point, John has been preaching endlessly to multitudes of people. He preached the good news of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ takes away every, the, world, the, the sin of the world. He was doing such a great job of preaching that the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, who were highly esteemed, they sent some people to find out, is he the Messiah? Is John the Baptist the actual Messiah? That's how powerful his preaching was. But John the Baptist said, no, I'm not him. The one I'm referring to, I'm not even worthy to, to untie his laces. I, I'm, I'm not even worthy of that. And the one thing that we see that stands out in the first chapter concerning John the Baptist is the fact that John has a testimony. John has a testimony. No one else up to this point is mentioned as being a witness at this time, but John has a testimony. And that leads us to the first indication that we're seeking Jesus Christ is that we have a personal testimony. We're seeking our own personal testimony. And that's what we see happens with Andrew and the other disciple. The other disciple is believed to be John. It doesn't indicate his name, but it's believed to be John because in the Gospels, John, the Apostle John, never really refers to himself when he's speaking about himself. He says the other disciple. And so we believe that to be John. So throughout the message, you will hear me say John, believing that it, it was John. So we see Andrew and John, these disciples, they leave Jesus Christ to pursue, or they leave John the Baptist to pursue Jesus Christ for their own testimony. Now, some may be asking, well, what is a testimony? When you mention the word testimony, sometimes we may think about, you know, there's a nice little saying that we got. You can't have a, a testimony without a what? Without a test. Amen. Can't have a testimony without a test. And I've been guilty of saying that as well. But I don't necessarily think it's, it's biblical. It sounds good. But you don't need a test to have a testimony. You, you don't need God himself, God the Father, testified to who Jesus Christ was. The Holy Spirit testifies to who we are. John the Baptist testified to who Jesus Christ was. Amen? So we see that it's not necessarily one who has a test. Although I think the test, also, it certainly does, it enhances our testimony it gives power to our testimony, but we don't necessarily need to have a test for a testimony. Amen? But I think if we look at Psalm 66, 16, it gives a good indication of what it means to have a testimony. For the psalmist says, come and listen, all you who fear God, let me tell you what he has done for me. That's a testimony. 
we don't need to make it very difficult. He says, come and listen. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Not what he has done, but what he has done for me. Taking ownership of what Christ has done for them. That is what a personal testimony is when we can acknowledge, rightfully so, who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us, each and every one of us. And we have to each seek that out for ourselves. You don't need to go through uh, these trials or tests to understand what Jesus Christ has done for you. You can, your testimony may simply be, I was once lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That's my testimony. Just as John the Baptist stand, all of us stand as a witness for Jesus Christ. We are to be a witness for Jesus Christ. John the Baptist had a testimony. Because he had a testimony, he was a witness to Jesus Christ. I can't be a witness if I don't have a testimony. It's as plain as that. Either my, if I am, then my witness is going to be very uh, minor. It's it's going it's not going to be have that power to it. Because when you come to people and they want to know who Jesus Christ is, they want to know. Okay, you told me all this, but what has He done for you? Who is He to you? I want to experience His power. I want to know. I want some proof that He is who you say. And so you have to know Jesus Christ for yourself. And so John the Baptist has his own testimony, and Andrew and John says, okay, we can't live just off of your testimony. We got to go get our own testimony. I see Jesus. Now I'm going to go talk to Jesus. A, few, a couple of years ago, I had the, uh, the privilege of being able to go and see uh, Times Square and uh, Ground Zero. Uh, up to that point, I, I never seen it you know like some of us maybe you know you've seen it on tv and i always kind of wanted to go just to kind of experience it for myself uh, but and, and before i had experienced it for myself i really couldn't give a testimony as to what it really was like because i had never been there before i had never experienced it if somebody asked me you know you you speak about Times square like you you know it have you been there no i ain't been there oh well you you, you can't talk to me then because you ain't been there you don't know what it's like and so after I went to Times Square and saw Ground Zero, I, I can say I've experienced it. I can give some testimony as to what I experienced. And, and it's the same when our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to know him for ourselves. We have to come to know who Jesus Christ is. Uh, we can't be content with living off of what someone else is saying or what someone else has told me about Jesus. That person who is seeking Jesus Christ, they want to experience him for themselves. They want to know Jesus for themselves. God calls us to do this. When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, you are now a royal people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may do what? Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says, once I call you out, you're going to be, uh, you're going to proclaim who I am. So he calls us. We're commissioned to do that. But again, we can't be an effective witness for Christ until we have experienced Christ for ourselves. When we're actively seeking Jesus, we're not content with receiving the message of Jesus Christ on Sunday morning. 
We have a hunger and a thirst to experience him on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, all the way through Saturday. It never stops. Sunday's not enough. Sunday's not enough. It's like, oh God, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My, my soul hungers for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land. Not seeking after Jesus for myself is about like two people being in the desert. They've been searching for water, seeking water, thirsting for water, can't find it. And when they come to some water, one of them starts to drink it. And the other one just sits by and the other one says, you know, this water is really good. And the other one's like, I can't experience that for myself until I drink that water. The same with Jesus Christ. He is the living water and he calls all people to drink from him. Don't be content with hearing the preacher's testimony, the deacon's testimony, or the teacher's, the Sunday school teacher's testimony. Seek your own personal testimony. Somebody say, get your own. Get your own. You got to have your own testimony. And you can't have your own testimony if all you do is listen to others tell what Jesus Christ has done for them. It, it whets your appetite, but that's about it. You can't, you can't have it. Regardless of how great of a preacher and a speaker John the Baptist was, Andrew and John recognized that they, could, they, had to, they had to have more. John the Baptist was not the target. Our pastors are not the target. Deacons are not the target. Sunday school teachers are not the target. Jesus Christ is the target. He is the aim. And so we must seek him. We must seek after him. I would compare John's preaching to what happens on Sunday morning. That's what John was doing. He was preaching. But, but Andrew and John said, okay, I've got the word. I got the word from you. I know you pointed me in the right direction. Now I need to, to go and seek him for myself. So we see that the first indication of those who are seeking Jesus Christ, they have their own what? Oh, we got to make sure y'all awake. You have their own what? Testimony. That leads us to the second indication that you're actually seeking Jesus Christ. We see also that those who are seeking Jesus Christ, are they desire to spend time with Jesus. They desire to spend time with Jesus Christ. The testimony of John led Andrew and John to know more about this Messiah that he was talking about. As they began to follow Jesus, as we look at the scripture here in verse 38, or first, starting at 35, it says the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. So he's pointing Andrew and John to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, the two disciples, they followed Jesus Christ. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? In the ESV translation, it says, what, I believe, what do you seek? What is it that you seek? So Jesus Christ asking them, what is it they want? And Jesus Christ, he knows what they want. It's amazing that the Andrew and John, they spoke about, they said, we want to know where you're staying. But J Jesus knew that that wasn't exactly why they wanted to follow him. That was just to kind of break 
the ice a little bit. We, in other words, we don't want to, we don't want to just know where you stand. We want to get to know you a little more. And so Jesus Christ doesn't just say, this is where I'm standing. He says, come, come with me and I'll show you. Jesus Christ knows what's in their heart. He knows what they're seeking. It, it reminds me of, we don't always have to kind of tell Jesus all the time. We, we may not know what to say. Uh, it's kind of like what the, what, what the scripture says uh, concerning the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit, he intercedes for us and, and, and says things. He groans for, that words cannot express. It's that same thing. Jesus Christ knows our heart. And so we see Andrew and John spent the night getting to know who Jesus Christ was. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. They spent some time with Jesus Christ. They started asking Jesus Christ questions. Are you really the Messiah? They wanted to know for themselves. They, they know what John said, but they said, we got to know for ourselves. And in order for us to know ourselves, we have to spend some time with you. It, it, there's no way around it. I have to sacrifice some time with Jesus to know more about Jesus in order to live like Jesus. There's no way around it. And so we see this taking place, and it, 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 I don't think John just throws in the fact of what time it was. He says it's about the 10th hour, um, believed to either be 10 a.m. in the morning or 4 p.m. in the afternoon. If it's going by Roman time, it would have been 10 a.m. in the morning because their day started at, at 12 midnight, just like we recorded or we go by. And if it's going by Hebrew time, it was started at sunrise, which was at about 6 a.m. So it would have been about 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And I believe that John was probably going by Hebrew time. So we see that at about 4 p.m., that's when they start to interact with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, come with me. And they spend the night with Jesus Christ. It's believed that this time it, it was Friday and the Sabbath would have been at 6 p.m. Because the Sabbath started at sundown. At the next, that's when the next day began. And, and so it's believed that it, the, the Sabbath was, was, was coming up. And, and Andrew and John, they decided, let's spend the night with Jesus Christ. Let's get to know him. How many of our Friday nights or Saturday nights are filled with us in our word? Looking for, looking for God. Looking to know more about Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about Monday through Thursday. I'm talking about Friday and Saturday. Because we hold those days near and dear to us. We'll give up some of the other days. But Friday and Saturday, that's my time to kind of rest, chill back. Hopefully not go to the club. So Friday night, Saturday night. Andrew and John decide to spend this time with Jesus Christ, spending time in God's word with God because God, Jesus Christ is the word. And he's asking the same for us as well, that we spend time in his word. That is how Jesus Christ primarily speaks to us is through his word. So if we're looking for answers, we have to go to his word. Many times we pray we might be praying, but if we're not going to his word, how can he speak to us? You, they go hand in hand. I'm praying, Lord, for an answer for you to speak to me. Now I'm going to go to your word to see if you, you're revealing something to me. So we have to stay in his word. We have to cherish his word. I, I saw uh, where it said 
uh, one time that said that we tell God how we feel about him by how we cherish his word, by how we look at his word. We tell God how we feel about him. So if you examine your life and, 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 and you know that it's God's word, you know that it's without error, but when you examine your life and the time that you spend in his word, does that indicate how you really feel about God? Because God's word is so important to him. It's so important. And so it's important for us to know his word and to know Jesus Christ. It's kind of like if I always told my family that, you know, I love, you know, I, I like, like you and all, and, but I can only spend one or two hours with you during the week. I can't spend no more than that with you. One or two hours is, is too much. That's, that's about all I can handle. If, I to, if that was my message, if that's, if that's how I demonstrated my love, then my love is kind of shaky. It's a different type of love. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's, every, that's everything in me. And so if, if I'm going to demonstrate that, I have to, you know, if I'm going to say that, I have to demonstrate that. And so like the disciples, we need to move beyond a casual relationship to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. What hinders you from spending more time with Jesus Christ? And for each and every one of us, that's different. That's different. It may be different for you. It's different for me. It may be the TV for some of us. I just like to have those shows. I got to watch my shows. I ain't talking about just the reality shows. I mean, some of us men, we talk about sports. I got to have my sports. I got to watch Sports Center. Game's coming on tonight. Jesus Christ can win tomorrow. Right? So I know my team is playing tonight. I know I ain't studied in a couple of days. All right. I'm feeling good. I ain't got no issues. So is it the TV that hinders us? It, has the TV become our idol? Has it become what really excites us? When we know that a show is coming on, is that what really drives us, what really motivates us? Is that what really medicates us and gets us through the day? Or is it Jesus? May not be the TV for some. It's, for some, it, it may be relationships. Relationships may be standing in, in the way. It may be relationships. That's the reason why Jesus Christ said, if, if you're going to be my disciple, he says, you got to hate your mother, you got to hate your father, you got to hate your... He said, you got to hate everything. Not literally, you got to hate, but he's saying, your love for me compared to your love for them has to be... That's how, that's how it's, it's pictured. It's got to be so much more greater. Because if not, if your love is not so much more greater for me than it is for your relationships, then he's saying, you're, you're not going to be devoted to me. He says, you're not going to be devoted to me. So for some, it may be the TV. Some, it may be relationships. Um, some, it may just be sin. Sin is standing in the way. We feel guilty about what we're doing. And we haven't yet made a decision to repent and turn from what we're doing. So we're thinking that if I don't repent and I don't return from what I'm doing, I'm not certainly not going to go to his word so I can get convicted a little bit more. So for each and every one of us, it's something different, and we have to examine what that is. Some of us, it may just be belief. We may have a faith problem that, that keeps us from going to his word. I, I know what it says, and I, 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 I kind of believe, but I'm not all in at this point. 
And until we surrender all of that to God, we're going to continue to have problems. So it's important for us to examine our own lives to know what it is that hinders me, that hinders you from seeking God. We have to examine what that is, and we have to surrender it to God and say, Lord, I'm giving it over to you. I'm making a commitment this day. I'm drawing a line in the sand to live for you, to seek you above everything else. The blessing we receive from investing our time and getting to know Jesus is priceless. You can't put a price on the blessing that is received from those who seek after him, those who spend time with him. There is no greater reward. We invest so much of our time in things of this world that don't matter. That doesn't mean we just neglect everything in this world. That doesn't mean we neglect our families. That doesn't mean we neglect our jobs. Because God calls us to be responsible for those things. He just wants to ensure that he's in the proper place in our life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That was the scripture reading this morning. Right? It says seek me first. Everything else will be added. When we seek after all of these other things, before we seek God, there cannot be any fulfillment. There is no joy. There is no peace. Maybe happy one day, you know, but if we take those things away, will we still have joy? Will we still have peace? Can we fast from the TV for a week? Can we fast from Facebook for a week? Can we fast from some of those things? It ain't just fasting from food. Some of us give food up in a heartbeat. Oh, that's easy. Pull the plug on the TV. Let cable go out. Let Facebook go down. Which Facebook don't go down, but let Facebook go down. We kind of define ourselves sometimes by relationships we've got. And so we're looking for that fulfillment in other things. And that's kind of how we know where we, where we stand. If we pull that out of our lives, how much does it mean to us? Does it mean more to me than if God's word was not, was, was pulled from me? If I lost my Bible, would I know it? Some of us, Solomon said, it's like chasing after the wind. It's just like chasing after the wind. You can't catch the wind. He says, it's like chasing after the wind. When you chase these things, he says, you can't win. And Solomon had it all. Solomon had wisdom. He had all wisdom. He had, he had, he had riches. He had everything. And then at the end of the day, Solomon said, it's like chasing after the wind. He's like, I'm here to tell you. I'm a witness to what it, what it does. He says, it's like chasing after the wind. And, and, you know, the thing, the thing is Jesus is looking to pour himself into us. He just desires to pour himself into us for us to get to know him. And I always thought it was, it was it's so ironic that God wants to know me, the creator of the universe, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, knows everything, omnipresent, created everything, sun, stars, every, I mean, when you look, when you take an observation of everything and you say, but yet God desires to hear from me during the day? That just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem right. But yet he does. He does desire to hear from us. He does desire to know how our day is going. But it requires us to, to spend some time with him, to invest some time in with him in order to get something out of that relationship. Jocelyn and I will be married for 20 years in April, praise God. And... 
it didn't get that way. We didn't make it this far. Certainly with by ourselves, it was by the grace of God. But at the same time, it took some work. It takes effort. It takes some sweat. It takes some crying. It takes some hurting. It takes some sacrificing in order for that relationship to be what, it, what you want it to be. The same holds true with our relationship with Jesus Christ. We want that relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we got to wrestle with God. Sometimes you got to, I mean, like Jacob, he said, I got to wrestle with you, God. It, you know, I got, I'm going through some things, but I got to wrestle with you. Sometimes we got, we got to, we got to, we got to labor. We have to sacrifice in order to get something out of it. Some of us are like, I, I ain't feeling God. I ain't getting nothing out of it. Maybe it's because we're not pouring any, pouring ourselves into him. Maybe it's not, we're not giving up anything for him. And so, it's important for us to, to surrender that. You know, one of my favorite times outside of reading God's word during the day is just a, is dinner time when we have the opportunity just to kind of sit down and just to eat together. And I know sometimes we don't always, everybody may not always have the opportunity to do that. Sometimes we, you know, we, we don't able, we're not able to maybe, you know, somebody's doing something else. But, you know, we try to make it a point to sit down and, and eat together. And I like that time because I get to understand and know what's going on in the life of everybody in the family. You know, what's kind of going on? What happened with your day? You know, what can I pray, pray for you for today? You know, what, what's kind of going on? What, you know, just tell me how things are going. And, you know, I can kind of picture God kind of doing the same thing with us. He wants to just kind of see, you know, what's kind of going on in here? What kind of went, went on today? God knows, but he just, you know, just going to talk with us a little bit. That's what, that's what we do when we pray. We're talking to God. He wants to hear from us. And let us not take that for granted. He wants to hear and understand what is going on in our lives. God desires that, that same devotion. And I don't want to, the one thing we may be, okay, how much time do I need to spend with God? And I don't want to get legalistic and say, okay, you need to spend this amount of time with God each day. For some of us, it's going to vary. And it's also going to vary on our maturity, where we are in Christ. If we're a new babe in Christ or if we've been with Christ for a while, our time should look a little, maybe look a little different. But, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, wouldn't it be nice if everyone decided and they made a commitment to Christ to say, I'm going to spend no less than six hours a week, no less than six hours a week in your work, devoting myself to you. That's, that's an hour a day outside of Sunday, right? And somebody said, well, why six hours? I thought about the six hours because that's how long Christ hung on the cross for your sins. 9 a.m., 3 p.m., six hours. So wouldn't that speak something to God and say, look, I'm going to at least this amount of time, maybe more. By the time I get to six hours, I'll probably want to go to eight. Just because I know now, you know, it's starting to get good. I'm hungering for your word. It's getting good. I'm starting to understand it a little bit more. But wouldn't it be something, what would be the fruit of God's church if all of his people spent no less than six hours a week in his word? What would be the outcome? I'm convinced we would turn this world upside down. And again, I don't want to just throw that out there and say you need to spend six hours, but I'm just, what if? You know, what if? Give you a measuring stick a little bit. Six hours. Jesus Christ hung on the cross for you for six hours. That ain't even counting the beating. That, that's not even counting what happened before the cross. That's not counting the beating, the spit upon, the slapping, the ridicule, all that other stuff that took place before that. But 
wouldn't that be something? Our every aim should be in the pursuit of God, of knowing more about what it means to be connected to Christ and how he is working in our lives. I like what Paul said in Philippians 3.8. He says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish. And we're not talking about just a chump here. We're talking about Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul had it going on. He, when he was Saul, he, he, he said, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, you want to see a Pharisee? I'm a Pharisee. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I was trained by one of the greatest Pharisees, from, from the greatest rabbis, Gamaliel. He says, you know, I, I, I've, I've, got, I've done some things. I've, I've had some accomplishments in my life. But he says, I consider all of that stuff a loss compared to what? The surpassing greatness, the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. The one who, who, was, who was first persecuting Christians didn't want to know Christ. Now he says, I consider everything else that I was doing a loss compared to knowing him. We're going to get to that point. Spend some time with him. And again, you don't have to start out. If you haven't been spending any time with Jesus Christ, you might not want to start out trying to do one or two hours a day. Because if you can and you do that, that's fine. But sometimes we, we may just need to kind of just, just take some steps, make progress. You know, it's kind of like when somebody, you see somebody going to the gym sometimes, and they ain't been to the gym. And you see the, the bench press bar sitting there, and they throw all this weight on there. I got this. And they get on the bench press. And the bar is kind of hanging on their chest for a while. And they're just praying, Lord, just help me to get the bar up. Don't try to bite off more than we can chew, but just make progress. God is asking us to make progress. Demonstrate that we want to know more about him. So we see the first indication of those who are seeking Christ is they have their own testimony. They desire to spend time with Christ. The third indication is someone who seeks the Lord is their, their faith is maturing. They're maturing in their faith. Their faith is growing. If we seek after our own testimony and we spend time with Jesus Christ, I'm confident that our faith will increase as we spend more time with him. In the short time that Andrew and John spent with Jesus Christ, their faith increased. If we look at it, in verse 38, the latter part of 38, they start out and they say, they said, they said, when Jesus Christ asked them what do they want, they said, they said, Rabbi, don't miss that. He said, Rabbi, how did they respond to Jesus Christ? Rabbi. Now, Rabbi, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a title of respect, it was a title of honor, you know, to be bestowed upon Jesus Christ. Now, anybody else, that was a good title except for Jesus Christ. But they called him rabbi. Now, does Jesus Christ correct them and say, no, I'm God, I'm Lord. I'm, did you hear what John the Baptist said about me? He didn't do that. He just said, come on. Because when you spend time with me, you're going to know who I am. I ain't got to correct you. You, you might have called me out of my name. It's kind of like somebody who calls you out of your name. You ain't got to say, no, I'm not that, I'm not that. Just prove them wrong. Jesus Christ says, just spend time with me, and you will know who I am. And so when what happens with that? After... After they, they go from, from rabbi in verse 38, look up at, at verse 41 and what happens. Andrews goes on to Peter and he says, we have found the Messiah. They go from rabbi to Messiah. 
in one night. That is evidence. That's indication of increased faith, of spending time with Jesus Christ. I know who Jesus Christ is for myself because I have spent time with him. That's what they're saying. I know who he is. Peter, Andrew didn't say, I, I think we found him. We might have found him. Come see. I want you to check him out for yourself because I'm not quite sure. He said, we have found. There was no doubt in his mind who Jesus Christ was. So in order for us to, when we seek Jesus Christ, we must move from believing to knowing. That, right? You've heard that, right? We did that play a while back. From believing to knowing. So that's how our faith must be. Our faith must be from believing to knowing. From believing that Jesus Christ is God to knowing that Jesus Christ is God. From believing that he died on the cross for you from to, to knowing that he died on the cross for you. From believing that he rose on that third day to knowing that he rose on that third day. From believing he will deliver you from all your sins and from all your issues to knowing that he will deliver you from all your issues. There's a difference. There is a difference. You say, well, what's the difference between believing and knowing? Sounds the same. It, there's a difference. I'll tell you the difference. I'll give you an example. I'll give you a grocery store example. I like the grocery store because I like this example. I've been in, this, I've been in both situations. Have you been in the grocery store when you believe you have enough money? to knowing you have enough money. Does that bring it home? I, I, there's a difference. I've been in both situations. I've been in situations where you go to the grocery store and you're like, mm, I hope they're having a good sale today. I know what I need to get, but I don't know. I think I got enough money. I'm confident I got enough money, but I really don't know if I got enough money. And I'm not going to be happy until that cash fear says, this is your amount. And I can meet that. I've been in that situation where you go and you say, no, we can't get the bargain brand. If they got the store brand, we're going for the store brand because it's cheaper. We're going for the necessities today. God provides all of our needs, not our wants. We ain't getting no wants today. Because I believe I have enough money. But when you know you've got enough money, <laughs> When you know you've got enough money, oh, you walk into the store, yeah, put that in the vast cart, that, we, yeah, we want that too. There's a difference in how you respond. Your actions are different. You respond different. You go to the cashier like, how much is it? I got enough. I got enough. You might even get in a giving attitude and say, okay, there's a dare to care thing. I'm going to take one of those too. Because I know I've got enough. So there's a difference between believing and knowing. I must move. My faith must move from believing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is to knowing who he says he is. When you know that you know that you know, can't nobody tell you any different. Can't nobody tell you. Can't nobody tell you. That Jesus Christ will not deliver you. Can't nobody tell you that God has left you because you know he hasn't. When you know this. I like this because Andrew runs to Peter. 
And he tells him, he says, you know, and, and the, th the good thing about this is it, it, work, it, it, it results in an increased faith. It, the increased faith results in, in us bearing fruit for God. That's why it's so important. So it's not just our increased faith, but our increased faith results in us bearing fruit for God. It leads to action. So if, no one's, if you're not bearing fruit for God, then you have to question the faith of that individual. And so the, the fruit that Andrew bore was that, if that's the right word, he, he went and he took, he went and told Peter, his brother, about Jesus Christ. His actions were the result of his increased faith. And it's amazing because Peter went from believing to knowing well. It wasn't before this, a, a few incidents after this, Jesus Christ is with some of the other disciples. He, 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 he explains some things to them. Some of the disciples leave in John chapter 6. And he asked the disciples, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where are we going to go? We know that you have the words of eternal life. He says, we believe and we know that you are the Holy One. See, Peter just didn't say we believe. He said, we believe and we know. So where else are we going to go? What else are we going to do? When we are at the point to where we put all of our eggs in the basket of Jesus Christ, that's where he wants us to get. Sometimes we, we go through life. I'm not going to put all my eggs in, in that basket. Just some of the ones that I'm okay with. But Jesus wants us to put everything in, the, in his basket. And so we must, we must move from believing to knowing. Our faith increase. So we see three things that occur for those who seek or three indications for those who seek Jesus Christ. One, they seek their own testimony. They're not looking to live off of anyone else's testimony. Two, they're also looking to spend time with Jesus Christ. And three, their faith will increase. And all of that, John goes on to let us know that as we seek Jesus Christ for our own testimony, as we seek Jesus Christ, as we seek to know more about him by spending time with him, as we seek to uh, increase our faith with Jesus Christ, he says he's making us brand new. He's making us brand new. Because we see Jesus Christ comes to Simon. We know him as Peter, but he was Simon before. He goes to Simon and Jesus Christ says, Jesus looked at him in verse 42. He says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Simon. He says, I know what you are now, but now that you've met me, he says, I'm making you brand new. And you're not going to be the same today as you will tomorrow. Andrew, John, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, all of those disciples that Jesus Christ just interacted with, he says, your, your life is not going to be the same from you've met me. You just don't know what you've done. From, from the time Andrew and John met Jesus Christ, they did not know that their life would be totally different. They would be totally different. They would be made brand new. That is what Jesus Christ is looking to do for each and every one of us. He's looking to make you into a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. He's looking to make us new, brand new. Not any, anything, but he's looking to conform us into his image. 
So looking to make us brand new, that's what comes as a result of us seeking Jesus Christ. Only when we seek Jesus Christ do we then begin to look brand new. Jesus is telling us to stop seeking the things of this world. Stop seeking fulfillment in the things of this world and seek me. Seek me is what he's saying. If you're seeking love, Jesus Christ says, I've got love. Not only do I have love, but I am love. He says, for there no love, no greater love that a man has than he will lay down his life for him. That is love, unconditional love. He says, if you're looking for love, some of us are looking for love in relationships, looking for love in every other place but Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, I love you. You are love. So if anyone feels like they are not loved, look to his word. Look to the cross. He says, I love you this much to die for you, to come out of heaven, off of glory, to step down, roll myself in the flesh, take ridicule, take punishment, to die on the cross, hang for you on the cross for six hours. I did all of that because I love you. Do you believe me? So he's looking to move our faith from believing that he did that he did that to knowing that he did that if we're seeking peace he says i get peace that surpasses all that same peace that jesus christ when they were on the storm with the disciples right and the storm was raging and the disciples were kind of scared and fearing and jesus christ said peace be still said, what kind of man is this that he can rebuke the winds and the water if jesus christ can rebuke nature if he can cause nature to be still then surely he can let the peace be in our life when there are storms and tribulations and trials that are just raging in our life when issues ain't going the way we expect for them to when things aren't working out quite the way we want them to jesus christ says i will still give you peace where when someone looks at you they will say how is it that you are still having a sane mind that you haven't given it all up that you haven't just let Jesus Christ go by now. He says, because I know he's given me peace. That surpasses all understanding. He keeps those in perfect peace, those whose minds are stayed on Jesus. See, the material things won't get me that peace when I'm going through some storms. They won't get me there. That basketball don't mean the same if I'm going through a storm. Give me somebody who I know loves me. So I got that love. If you're seeking peace, if you're seeking grace, he says, I got grace. John said in John chapter 1, verse 16, says, from, from the fullness of his grace, he has given you blessing after, after another. One blessing after another. So if you're, if you're seeking other things outside of Jesus Christ, give your life to Jesus Christ. Seek him, and he will fulfill your life. Seek him because he is the only one that can give you fulfillment in this life. Seek him for eternal salvation. Seek him for joy. Seek him for peace. Seek him for love. Yes. Seek redemption. Yes. Seek him for forgiveness. Seek Jesus Christ yes. and forsake the other things and not expect for those things to give you fulfillment that only the one who created all things can give you. Yes. Praise God. Praise God for him being who he is. And still loving on us like he does. Giving us his grace 
his peace lavishly loving on us even when we don't want it and even when we don't deserve it. Praise God. That amazing grace that John Newton spoke about in his song, Amazing Grace, he could speak about that. He can give a testimony to it because he was a slave trader and he knew. He said, praise God because I knew how wretched I was. But now when Jesus Christ came into my life, he is the only one who could forgive me of my sins. And now I can be before God the Father and look just like Jesus Christ looks. Pure, clean, righteous because Jesus Christ paid the price for me. Praise God. Praise God for all that he does. Seek him and do not seek the things of this world and the fulfillment that only that Jesus Christ can provide. Let us pray. Our Father, our God, we, we thank you. We thank you because you are just awesome in all that you do. You continue to bless us, Father God. And just as we have at times, Lord, and strayed away and began to seek after joy, love, peace in created things, you have continued to love on us and you continue to reveal that you are the one that we need to be seeking. I pray, Father God, that if there be anyone here uh, who has been seeking after other things, I pray, Lord, that you may burden their heart, Lord, that they may turn from their ways, they may seek you, Lord, that they may know that you are the light of their life, Father God, and that they may come to know you greater, that they may have their own personal testimony, that they may develop their own personal relationship with you, and that they may come to increase in their faith, Father God, as a result of those things. We thank you and praise you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.